The following audio is from North Pine Baptist Church. We trust that this recording will help you learn more about God and His message for the world. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au. Good morning, church. Let's frame our next few moments together in prayer. Glorious Heavenly Father, thank you for revealing yourself through your Holy Spirit and by your word. Gathered together in the name of your Son, Jesus, in this unique moment in person and online, we look to the ways you related with your servant, Moses. We long for the intimacy we see. Face-to-face, experiencing your glorious, gracious, and merciful character, yet also covered by your protective hand, for your perfect holiness consumes sin. Grow our hearts to know you with this intimacy. Help us to see your glory as it is revealed in Jesus. Help us to trust in Jesus as our mediator and treasure your presence. This is our task this morning. Equip me as your speaker. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our title for this morning's message is Intimacy with God. And our Bible passage is Exodus 33. If it helps to have a question to summarize uh, where we're heading, uh, here is our question to answer today. How can a holy God be present with sinful people? Our Bible reading for today is going to be from Exodus 33. We're going to read the first three verses, then jump to verse uh, verse 12 through to 23. So open up your Bibles with me to Exodus 33. Starting at verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your offspring, I will give it. I will send an angel before you. I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Pesderites, the Hittivites, and the Jezubites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. Now moving down to verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, See you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring me bring us up from here. For how shall I know that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not your going with us, so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, The very thing that I have spoken to you I will do, for I have found favor, for you have found favor. In my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, 
Please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock while my glory passes by. I'll put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Intimacy is one of the less used words of the English language, perhaps hidden away to the private realm, something for couples to worry about. But intimacy is not a word to shy away from. Regardless of your relationship status, intimacy is a core experience of human life. And as the old definition goes, intimacy is to into me see. Now, Pixar it provides a fantastic literal illustration of into me seeing in their movie Inside Out. Inside Out takes us into the mind of 11-year-old Riley. Five emotion characters, joy, sadness, fear, anger, disgust, sit at the control panel of Riley's mind. They show the inner workings of her reactions to the changes in the world around her. Such insights make a fun adventure driven by our intimacy with Riley, our literal into Riley seeing. Exodus 33 is a similar invitation. At the control panel is God, with Moses continuing to mediate for the people of Israel. Key to understanding this moment will be for us to reflect on sin's impact on intimacy and God's response to sin. The first thing we'll see is that sin is a barrier to intimacy with God. And we only have to look back as far as Exodus 33 to see that sin blocks our desire for intimacy with God. The Israelites, instead of waiting for the outcome of Moses' time with God on the mountain, grew impatient and they begin to look for intimacy in all the wrong places. They sought a golden idol to replace God. Alongside this poor substitution came even poorer behavior. Their example stands as a warning against looking for intimacy in the wrong places. Replace God and we quickly replace obedience to God along with the God's good ordered ways. When confronted, Aaron, the high, the priest, the high priest, he throws Israel under the bus and tries to hide his own guilt. The shame of sin makes us hide our true self. Aaron, at the moment when his role was to draw near to God, withdrew. Sin causes us to put distance between us and God. Like a guilty child, we run and hide, seeking to be anywhere but close to God. This fear is the wrong response, but it's not ungrounded. Exodus 33 starts with God's command for the Israelites to, to depart from the mountain. It's time for the people to move on. 
in many ways, this should have been the, the apex moment. It's time for them to move into the promised land, but there is devastating news. An angel will go before them, but God will not go up among them. The Israelites have rejected intimacy with God through their actions, and God knows his people inside out. He knows that they're a stiff-necked people, that sin is ingrained in their hearts. They will sin again. And if God is present, he will consume him with righteous, will consume them with righteous justice. Moses has already stepped in as a mediator, appealing to God's covenant and and reputation, averting the immediate destruction of the Israelites in Exodus 32. But this does not solve the long-term sin problem. God's... The long-term problem of sin and God's presence remains in Exodus 33. God had rescued the Israelites out of Egypt for more than just freedom from slavery and their eventual destruction. God seeks a people to call his own. He seeks intimacy. They are saved from destruction, yes, but they are saved for intimacy with God. And this intimacy is demonstrated in Moses as he mediates at the tent of meeting. It's a face-to-face interaction as a man speaks with his friend, as we see in verse 11. It's an intimacy not seen since Adam and Eve with God walking alongside them in the garden. And the question hangs in the air in chapter 33, has sin cost this intimacy? Have the Israelites lost their access to intimacy with God. God has told the Israelites they can have their promised land, but God's presence will not go with them. God will not risk consuming the nation with their constant falling back into sin. Moses again steps in to intercede, to mediate a better outcome. Moses will settle for nothing less than God's ongoing presence. Look with me how Moses comes to the negotiation table from verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, that's Moses' task, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and I've also found favor. And you have also found favor in my sight. God has provided Moses with divine intimacy and favor for his task. Now I wonder, what would you do if given this special intimacy, this special intimate relationship with God and divine favor to back you up? I wonder, if it was me, would I be tempted down a Bruce Almighty self-destructive pathway, if you've seen the movie? Or would I do as Moses does in verse 13? Now therefore... If you have found favor in my sight, please show me your ways that, you, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. The more Moses knows of God, the closer, the more intimate his relationship and position, the more Moses desires of God. Intimacy 
builds desire for more intimacy. Moses asked to see God's ways. God, whatever it takes to be close to you, that's where Moses wants to be. And he seeks to bring his nation, God's people, into this same intimate relationship. So God counters. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. God still has this, let's start again with only you, Moses, from Exodus 32.10 on the table. It's an incredible offer. Yet so highly is God's presence treasured by Moses that he seeks to share it. He seeks to not settle for such an incredible blessing to be withdrawn from Israel. If your presence will not go with me, verse 15, do not bring us up from here. God, it would be better to live forever in the wilderness with your presence still with your people than for us to receive the promised land without you. If all heaven was was God, would you still want to go? Or does the prospect of heaven without God still hold some sway for you? Moses' choice is that God is worth any cost. It is better to share God in the wilderness than have the delights of the promised land without him. What a lesson for us. Moses continues, For how shall it be known that I have found favour in your sight, I and your people? He's not leaving the people out. It will not, is not your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth. There is, the difference for the Israelite then, the difference for the Christian today, is not that we're any nicer, any less sinful, any smarter, any more worthy, or anything else on the face of the earth. The difference is we have a mediator who is willing to stand before God, put everything on the line, and settle for nothing less than God present with us. So God's response to Moses in verse 17. This very thing that I have spoken I will do, for you have found favor in my sight. And I know you by name. Now Moses' mediation plan here is good, but one question is still left unanswered. On what grounds can God be present with his people without risking their destruction because of their sinfulness? God has said he will be present, but how? Moses is a great mediator, but he does not have all that is necessary to close the deal. Moses does not have the spotless record required to be the sacrifice of atonement for his people. And we already know this from verse 32, because Moses already offered himself. But God declined Moses' offer. A perfect, spotless sacrifice is required. And in fact, all people lack the perfection required and God will not deny justice to sin so the question remains how will God consume not consume them on the way how can God offer his intimate presence 
without their destruction. Our answer is that atonement is needed. Atonement is the means for justice for sin. It is the way God's consuming and just wrath is poured out towards sin and sees sin sin's destruction. Atonement protects the holy perfection that is God. And this is one of the moments where we need to pause back and wonder, what was Moses up on the mountain doing for this need to arise? Where was Moses uh, when the Israelites were turning to the golden calf? We see that God was giving on Mount Sinai in chapters 25 to 31 the design plans for a mobile temple, a tabernacle, the building that would be the center of a sacrificial system where the blood of perfect animals would be shed as a sign to point to the perfect sacrifice that would, be co- that would come and be able to make atonement. God in his mercy, fully aware that humanity could not make atonement for themselves, sent Jesus, fully God but fully human, perfect and so able to make atonement, able per- to bring both humanity and God together at the mediation table. Jesus is able to complete Moses' mediation. God offers his intimate presence because his wrath against sin will be poured out on Jesus. God will not consume the Israelites along the way because he will send his own son to be consumed in their place on the cross. We are dependent upon God to make atonement for our sins. Because God guarantees his own atonement plan, God can offer his presence. It's an incredible, favoured outcome that we could never expect but graciously need. And the Israelites were given this sacrificial system where the blood of animal after animal would be shed in anticipation of that final atonement day, a constant sign of God's atonement plan, a constant means of deferring God's wrath. This is good news. You are in an incredibly favoured position because Jesus put you there. Intimacy with God is on offer. What is your response? And this is a question not for anyone who's just new to church. This is the question for everyone. Whether your week has been filled with sin that would make the Israelites blush before the golden idol, or you're coming up from a mountaintop spiritual high, all of us have the same access to God's intimate presence only through the mediating and atoning work of Jesus. So what are you going to do with this intimate access? Here is what Moses did. It's a bold move. Verse 18, Moses said to God, please show me your glory. Now let's Put this in perspective. This is the Moses who speaks with God with the intimacy of friendship. This is the literal last person on earth who God would withdraw his presence from. 
Moses as close to God as ever a sinful person could get. And Moses asks for more of God's presence. God, Moses wants a greater experience of God, and God says yes. You know, I wonder, do we picture, picture eternity with God like a new toy? Like, it's fun at first, but eventually you get moved, not bored and move on to the next thing, right? That is not Moses' experience of God. Arguably the closest person to God, second only to Jesus, and Moses seeks more intimacy. That sounds like the type of intimacy designed for eternity. And God's answer is yes, though with some necessary protective limitations. So how do we, how do we even begin to attempt to describe God's, Moses' experience of God's glory? We can only use God's own self-description. We find it in verse 19. I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. The New Testament picks up this theme of God's revelation of his glory in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. I hope this helps you picture God's glory. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What does all God's goodness look like? What does God's glorious grace and mercy look like? I don't think Moses experienced a divine laser and light show, as cool as that it might be. God's glory is revealed in Jesus. It is in Jesus that we find the goodness needed for atonement. It is in Jesus that we experience the mercy and grace of a God who forgives sin and saves sinners. It is in Jesus that God is revealed. God speaking face to face with humanity as a man speaks with his friends. It is through Jesus that we can have access to the perfect picture of God's glory. As best as we can understand and experience it now. My friends, if you are bold enough to ask God, please show me your glory you will find your answer in a glorious Jesus. So Exodus 33, how can a holy people be intimately present with sin? How can a holy God be intimately present with sinful people? God sent Jesus to make atonement for sin. You have a mediator in Jesus who stands before God, who has put everything on the line and settles for nothing less than God present with you. And so with this in mind, we come to the Lord's Supper. Jesus, on the night before his body was broken and his blood was shed, the final atonement sacrifice upon the cross, he gave to his disciples a simple meal to celebrate and remember this truth. 
Participation in this meal is welcome for all who claim Jesus as their atonement and mediator before God. And this is not a claim to enter into lightly. Jesus saves his followers from sin to live a life transformed by God's presence. So with this caution in place, let us come with joy as followers of Jesus to imitate his example provided to us. In 1 Corinthians 11.1 1, we read, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. I encourage you, uh, collect at home the bread and juice so that we may share in this meal together. But first, uh, as you do that, uh, we're going to take some time to pray. Holy God, we come to celebrate your intimate presence. We acknowledge that all sin, all rejection of your holy way deserves your consuming and just wrath. Unless you pour out this wrath, our sin deserves on any other than a sinful... Let me start that again. Unless you pour out this wrath, our sin deserves on any, we are without hope. Lord, it is our joy to celebrate your goodness and mercy and grace revealed in Jesus. Jesus, you are our saving atonement, lovingly sent to us by God. You are our shelter, our peace, our firm foundation. God, you are truly with us. So God, help us treasure the intimacy of your presence, all the more so with your Holy Spirit now present in us. Prepare our hearts to worship you in this meal. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. From 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, we read, For I see from the Lord what I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me so I encourage you take bread break it reminding you of Christ's body broken for us and eat In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We'll pass out the cups now, and we encourage you to, to wait and have all your cups together so that we can drink together as a sign of our unity. This cup represents the new covenant in Jesus' blood. 
Let us drink together in remembrance of Christ who died, who is risen and will come again. Let us drink. Merciful and gracious God, we worship you remembering the atoning sacrifice of your Son. We celebrate your intimate presence. Guide us through your Holy Spirit to experience and treasure you with me each moment of our day, longing for the day of Jesus' return. Together we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this audio from North Pine Baptist Church. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au.